There's rare moments where I have the opportunity to go in depth about the mind, to understand what a thought is, to think about meditation, spirituality, yoga. For me, it is 100% an anchor to my day. Um, so usually I would meditate in the morning and, and not, well, I should rephrase that, not just the morning because like... Well, there's interesting things in life that we don't take the time to breathe. So, you know, that ability to maybe sense and judge what is happening in a situation, you could argue, comes from the stillness that you find within your practice. And to think about why we do certain things. Having the regular practice, um, it definitely starts your day in a, in a, in a great way. You know? So it kind of anchors me in that respect. What led to the thought processes that we have? I guess, I mean, I'm going to just relate to me as to what I might do because I think it can be different for everybody. And how do we live a more fulfilling life in the midst of stress and chaos and fear? You can still offer a lot of value to people, even in a, you know, a, a small business, you know? So this is a podcast about peace, serenity. Home! No idea where it's going to go. So I always just, as a basic start, it's just like, what do people do just to start off? So what is it that you do? Well, so I um, am one of the directors of a digital marketing agency. Um, and so within that, um, what I do is do a lot of talking to clients. Um, and I essentially look after the marketing side of the business, even though we do have development and websites and things like that as well. My husband takes care of that side. And so I'm really the the, the strategist and the client um you know, a person who, who speaks to the clients and account management, that kind of thing. So I guess you could say it's a, 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 a strategy role and a caretaker role of, of people and making sure that they're happy and that things are going in the right direction um, and that we're leading them, um, you know, where they want to go and taking them on that journey. Cool. Yeah. Well, there's so many places we could go because we talked about trust, we talked about yoga and we talked about um, sales. So I'll be interested in yoga because, you know, I did yoga many moons ago and really loved it because of it's almost as though, in my experience, feeling at ease with suffering. So, you know, you're, you're breathing through the uncomfortable position and then you feel really peaceful afterwards. What, what do you how how do you view yoga and what is like yoga like for your life and who should do yoga and who shouldn't? Um, so for me, I started yoga probably in my mid-twenties and I arrived at it because I, I actually had been working in the fitness industry as a personal trainer um, and I got to a point where I just got sick of gyms really and I was <laughs> looking for something that that felt kind of more, like I, I would look at people who did yoga and just think, well that seems like more like strength to me rather than standing in front of a, a, a mirror and just lifting some dumbbells, you know, to be able to put yourself in an inversion into a headstand or a shoulder stand or something like that. That just felt like something I wanted to explore. So I, um, and I'd been to yoga classes before at the time and I ended up arriving on Ashtanga yoga. Um, okay. And Ashtanga no is, yeah. yeah, it was actually a, a studio just near you right here. Oh, yeah, is that the one I thought about? <laughs> yeah, it? yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, and Ashtanga's um, a, a different practice in the sense that it has a, a very defined sequence of postures that you work through. And the reason that I was attracted to that type of yoga was because um, I came from a you know um, a physical background, so I wanted something that was a bit more intense. And I got frustrated with other yoga classes where it was always 
you know, you'd do one pose and then the next one and it changed every week and I'd be looking around going, oh my, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, it got confusing. Whereas Ashtanga is this set series of postures that you work through. And so when you have that structure to it, it does enable you to kind of explore those postures um, as you go. And and so it's hard, I guess it's, for me, it's been a, a journey of unfolding and exploration. And, and what I found was that the poses that I didn't like at the beginning were often the ones that I struggle with. But then eventually over time, as you kind of unwound yourself, you would find space in them and you'd be able to then do them. And then they became very, very enjoyable. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I guess I've, I've, um, I've stuck with it and, and still have a practice today. It is always changing. And so every time you go to a class or you practice, your body is different. And so there's always something to be to be learned by that. Um, and I think, you know, with um, with Ashtanga, it's really just a like a gradual unfolding of yourself and exploration of, of allowing yourself to, to be you through the physical, um, as well as then, you know, through the, sometimes the emotional stuff that comes through. Ha! Mm. Yeah, we, we, I didn't know we were going to talk about yoga, but fucking, that's interesting, eh? Because um, there's a few things in that. It's like, you know, what what is passion? Like, you didn't like it initially, but then when you became confident, and in, and understood it more in depth like how do you have do you apply it in any sense in business like when you're facing the mundane or the things that are initially the uncomfortable positions in business and you use yoga to do you do the breathe do you yeah. email apnea have you heard of that sorry what email apnea yeah people forget no. to breathe when they're on the computer oh right no i haven't heard of that yeah i guess i mean in, in a sense the breathing side is there but i mean yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily say bring it enough into the, the daily, you know, bring the that, that physical yoga practice into a day intentionally. But I think it happens just by virtue of the fact that when you're when you've done yoga for quite a while and you're doing it, you do naturally become um, calmer, and so it's probably helped in sales in a lot of respect. So most of my career has been involved in sales in some capacity, um, and so. You know that ability to maybe sense and judge what is happening in a situation. You could argue comes from the stillness that you find within a yoga practice. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're doing well yeah. to adapt there because um, I, I did like I'm a big practitioner of meditation, and I don't always do the consistent sit down, but I always meditate. Like talking to you, I'm meditating, focusing on you and my breath, so I don't freak out because you know that's what I do with people over time. So I, I noticed with sales that. Um, I would sell 30% better when I'd meditated in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we could go deep on meditation because it might confuse people, but what what is, what is meditation to you firstly? Oh, what is meditation to me? Um, I think for me it is 100% an anchor to my day. Um, so usually I would meditate in the morning and and. Not well, I should rephrase that. Not just the morning, because like you just said, then you can be in a moment and you can me- meditate. You know, when someone like Roger Federer plays tennis, he's meditating essentially. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so you can do it in a lot of individual moments. But having the regular practice, um, it definitely starts your day in a in a in a great way. You know, so it kind of anchors me in that respect, and I think it just it just enables you to connect to. To, to connect just to yourself physically but sort of mentally and emotionally as well and I think when you're doing that you're able to put yourself 
into a space that's not so head focused and much more comes comes from the heart much more which is why I think you get that benefit with sales because it comes from a place of connection and ability to listen to the person that's in front of you as opposed to being in your own head and trying to then push and get what you might want out of that certain mm. situation um, and I think I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about because I think for me, <laughs> it's it's, hard to talk about. well, it is because it's come so normal and natural to me now. And we're talking like 25 years or whatever of, mm. of doing this, you know? Veteran. Yeah. So, and so when things. Are you enlightened? <laughs> no. <laughs> God, no, 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 no. Um, um, but so when you become, you know, you do things so regularly like that, they just start to feel so normal that you sort of think that they're, they're nothing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I was trying to, someone asked me, how do I. Over, stop overthinking and I was I was, I was talking very in an abstract sense and I couldn't get it to land like I, I sort of see thoughts kind of like a river you can get in them and then you get swept down and you know it's like snowballs it, or you can observe it as it passes hmm. so what what might you say in that scenario because what I said to them I was like imagine you start to overthink you're still going to think the idea is that you're just observing thinking or observing something so you don't invest in the thinking which when you say to someone they're like fucking mind boggled like what the fuck what do you mean observe your thoughts what would you advice be for someone that's overthinking even though you might not be an expert on that but how would you explain it because i i failed yeah yeah um i know what you mean it is a hard concept to explain and i try to tell that to my kids quite a bit as well is to Mm. try and step back and just you know watch the mind thinking um and it's very it is very very hard um, to understand, but if someone's in a m- massive state of overthinking, um, I guess, I mean, I'm going to sort of relate it to me as to what I might do because I think it can be different for everybody. Um, and sometimes it can just be those simple things like getting into nature or getting to exercise or yoga or whatever it is that just can kind of snap you out of whatever's happening in that moment. Obviously, breathing can kind of help there as well. Um, but, you know, everybody has those runaway moments. And then sometimes you just, I know it sounds weird, but you just have to kind of give yourself a bit of a talking to. You know, you literally got to say to yourself, no, I'm not going to let this thought derail me from this goal that I have, you know, or this whatever whatever the thought's doing to, you know. You've got to go, no, I st- stop, you know, because it is just the mind getting onto that treadmill, you know, and going round and round and round. Mm. Um, and it is, it's yeah, it's the mind. It's not, and you, so you have to kind of, see that and stop it and then but it is very very hard it's, it's, I must admit it's it's very hard to do yeah, yeah. I, we're going we're going to go down a very random route I'm, I'm thinking what, what does the thought mean to you what does the thought mean because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know like Jeepers, creepers. yeah I know these small questions but you know you're you're a practitioner of thought in a sense mm. yeah what does the thought mean to me I mean it, well oh. if you think if you think about it, I, say, <laughs> I guess the thought is 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 like it, it has. I thought it was, was going to say an electrical impulse, but it's not quite like that. It's it's um. If you I mean, pull this off, I'll from? be impressed. Where does it even come from? You know, um, consciousness. Yeah, consciousness. Yeah. So, it, but I it, think there's yeah, yeah. there's there's a thought from the mind, which is the ego more ego driven and there's and then there's a thought that comes from an intuitive knowing right okay and those are two separate things and i i personally find those quite hard to distinguish because i am quite is it left brain right logical rational i can get quite into that and i do have to really work to stay 
in the non-mind, you know. Um, but they sort of come from both places and, and yeah, they just, I don't know, I yeah, I don't know. But yeah. they can be, you know, I, th- I do believe too that you can, you can think other people's thoughts, you know. And so you know how you get those moments where you're thinking the same thing as someone else? Mm. Well, where did that come from? Oh. Who, who thought that first, you know? <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. is there a collective mind that kind of goes on, you know? Do you, yeah, well, okay, I'm sorry for this. I genuinely am because I'm actually fascinated by it now. Cause, so consciousness. Yeah. So you suggested something there. And there's actually a few things. So one, so in psychology they talk about, you know, as a baby, as you're developing, you're just outward, you're just expressing and there's a minimal amount of ego, so to speak. And then the world gives you an ego as it interprets the way you interact with it. And then you put that in your mind. Mm-hmm. So like you've had these experiences you internalize those experiences and you've used that to interpret the world and how you interact with it. So that's how I would think of your ego thought. What do you what do you think of is consciousness something that's, you know, across like a lot of uh, meditation practitioners they start to feel a sense of collective feeling and and a, a shared consciousness. Mm. What what do you think consciousness is? Do we have a soul? <laughs> I think so. You I mean, think I so? Don't, I don't have any confirmation of that from a personal experience, but I don't, it's kind of like, I guess, ghosts and things, you know. I just think that so many people have had some kind of experience of mm. something outside of themselves that I think there's there's definitely something to that. Mm. Um, as I said, we know without have, having had a massively direct experience myself with anything, I, I do believe in that there is a soul. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So... I, I like looking at like different religions and seeing like um, threads of symbolism. There seems to be something inherently human about religion mm. because the story speaks to them. And I think it relates to marketing too in the sense that there's universal stories about the human condition that people really gravitate towards. And it's the ambiguity. It's not just the, hey, this is what you should think. It's finding yourself within the text, even though I'm atheist. But so... You think this is soul? Mm. What activities resonate with your soul, and what te- um, things deviate from your soul? In the sense that, like you know, is it good? Is it evil? Is it happiness? Sadness? Is it doing good for others? What's soul food? For me personally, yeah, just you, because we can't. You can't talk for others, yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's it's any of those things that essentially make you feel good and feel energized and alive and joyful, right? Anything that kind of um, like kind of lights you up, I suppose, if you want to say, you know. So mm. for me personally, that is one hundred percent yoga or physical exercise. Like I, I have to I have to physically move my body, you know, three or four times a week. Um, otherwise, it does has that stagnant kind of feel. So that's one hundred percent something for me. Um, as a child, I think it was things like, again, movement, but dancing, you know, that was something that gave hmm. me a lot of joy. And jazz hands or what? Jazz hands. That's what you do with jazz, uh, jazz no, hands. No, no, it wasn't like just jazz. I just like to free fall and do my own thing. I did ballet for a while. I just like dancing and I still like dancing, you know, still like to, to go out and have, have an old good boogie and stuff every now and then, you know. Um, other things that would 100% be family, like, you know, children and, and, and family and things like that. They, they can really do that for you. And I think just spending 
time with them doing fun things you know going places or being outside um, I would say that nature is certainly uh, you know going and getting out into the to nature is certainly a place sounds very all cliche doesn't it <laughs> really yeah well if it's true then but yeah if yeah. it's cliche and then other people <laughs> think it I asked um I've said a few times to the audience but I used to um help older people with their mobility and like it was all cold calling and door knocking and so pe- you'd find them in their worst moments of their life where no one cares about them and they're excruciating pain and part of what we were selling it was um them being able to achieve what they want in life so you needed to ask them what they wanted in life and they all said the same thing which mm. is connection purpose mm. and independence mm. which is like you know health and money so so you talked about family. I mean, how do you balance family and, um, you know, pursuing what you want in life and then, you know, you've got to have a baby physically so you're out of commission mm, for a while and mm. now you've got to catch up to everyone. Yeah, yeah. How do you balance those two things of family and career and purpose and or you don't, you just fucking wing it? <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose, I don't know if I'd say I would wing it. I, I, I kind of look at it as... You've got those competing forces and in an ideal situation they are sort of all balanced but that doesn't actually work that way and so you find that at a point in time one thing has to be slightly more of a priority and then something will happen and then it'll change a little bit like say for example your child is going through something at school or there's something on at school that they need attention from so you have to shift that focus a little bit so I don't think of it as in like I'm always trying to have it completely balanced. It's more like I'm moving with what needs the attention at the time, but not completely dropping those other things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I think like, you know, I, I do have this quite a bit with other people I know and other mothers and things who do get very, very sort of stressed out with everything. And I seem to be able to, I don't know if it's compartmentalise things, but... Is the, if that's the word, but it sort of doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I can can handle quite a bit, and I've got pretty strong energy because I look after myself very, very well. Um, and so it doesn't, they don't bother me. The, the one thing I'd say, though, if I'm really honest about it, would be just from the business perspective, there simply isn't the time to be working 80 hours a week to grow a massive empire, you know, and, and that's okay. You know, because you can still do amazing work. You can still offer a lot of value to people, even in a you know a, a small business. You know, um. So so yeah. But that would be the one thing. Like, and if I but then if I didn't have children, I well, I don't want to have a life without children. So I wouldn't want to just have the business. So it's about yeah, just doing I guess what you can. You have to be quite focused, I suppose, within the work time that you've got, and just go okay. Well, work's done for the day. I've got my kids to focus on for the next two hours. Um, and you know, that is life. You know, mm. and things might take a bit longer from a growth perspective in business or something like that. But that's actually okay. You know, yeah, keep making peace with that. Well, I see the biggest differentiator, apart from the limiting beliefs that I see of successful business owners, and not is how they sp- like the how they prioritize their time and what lever they use. You know, I don't know who's who's quoted as, but if I have a big enough lever, I can move the world. Mm. So if you only had five hours, because you said something there, like I build an empire, or not that you would, but like 80 hours to build an empire is what you said. If you only had five hours a week to do business stuff, what would you choose? Like what's the highest leveraged activity in your business? Wow. 
Um, These are easy questions. I don't know about you, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to say what kind of depends because if if I just had five hours but I've got a whole lot of clients, well, I would Yeah, you can delegate. You can hire. I can delegate. Okay, right. Well, that's the whole game, isn't it? Okay, in that case, if it was just me then in terms of you asking me what I would prefer to do with my five hours, if I could delegate everything else, it would be being in front of people on those sales-type meetings. That's where I... Mm. I know, it's like... It's like you go. I go into a different zone when I go into those um, th- those sales meetings or those first pitch meetings, and it's like you know anything that's in your, been troubling you in your mind or anything just goes out the window. I want to say I feel like I'm acting because I sort of do feel like I am, but it's kind of like stepping into into this role, and it just all just kind of like clicks. It's like hmm. I always think athletes, you know, they sales a lot of, yeah, watch a lot of tennis, and they, you know, they they get onto the court and they're in the zone. So it's, so for me, being in sales is being in the zone. So if I had to pick that five hours, it would be in in those moments because that's where I think I am the best, you know, and can can um, can offer the most um, to to people. Hmm. Yeah, and not not to say that that's to sell for me, but to to be talking to them about how to help their business. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sales is like a dirty word in this business, but it's, it's, it's not like a good sales is, you know, being a good person. It's a truth teller. Exactly. And it's a, I see, see trail, see sales as a, an exchange of energy, right? So it's one person and say, say me and person on the other side. And essentially you are listening to each other and you, you know, you're exchanging energy across that. And so that's why you get that whole thing of, of sales, with the dirty word is because I think there's been a real in the past a real push energy with sales of people having to push onto you what they want and then the minute you get that force going one way of course the person on the other end is going to go whoa mm. and they're going to pull back right and that's why it feels yuck because it's not a balanced exchange of energy whereas if you've got a person coming to the to the meeting or the table where they're genuinely trying to help and they're listening and they're allowing, allowing you and giving you that space to do the same it's it's a much nicer feeling and that's how I think sales is changing and how it needs to change um, over the next you know coming years as well and I'm definitely seeing that in terms of how people interact with each other but you still get a little bit of the old the old school stuff in there commission breath yeah yeah exactly yeah I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't attest that like I think it it's become even more apparent because you know we're more exposed like imagine if someone you know in the 20s ripped you off maybe get ripped off 10 times in five years or whatever now you're instantly getting exposed to people being full of shit so you, you you know your bullshit rate is a little stronger. Totally, totally agree. So yeah. it's one thing I find quite tricky. Like on one hand, you're sitting, you're going on the exploration of understanding them and hopefully solving their problem, but then holding in the back of your mind, but you want to take it a place. You want to what? Sorry. You want to direct it somewhere. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. How do you balance those two of like being interested in them, but also being aware that you know you want to go somewhere? Well, I think you've got to. Be careful that the place you want to go is the place that's best for them, not for you, mm. right? So, so, so that you're, yeah, so yeah, you're almost like it's like what you're saying before about thoughts and stuff. You've got to take yourself out of the equation, and 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 almost be impartial as to even whether you get the deal or not or get the sale, mm. as long as it's right for the person and not mind about it and not worry about it. Just go, okay, if we get it, we get it. Great. If we don't, don't and always do the best for the customer. So if they're telling you this is the problem and you're like, okay, this is how I can solve that, you're kind of almost 
taking them by the hand, I like it to look at it, and gently leading them along in a sort of a, a logical way so that they can see that what you've proposed or what you're saying is, is, is a logical outcome for what, they, um, what they're hmm. looking for. Yeah, that's kind of how I, I look at it. Well, it's a rare frame. Just if I push a button because this turns off for a split second, now it turns on again, so you don't miss anything. But I usually tell people before it starts. That's a unique frame. Like, like people can say they do that, but to actually be able to do that, especially, you know, you got pressures of family, pressures of money. How did you earn that mindset or what has helped? Because usually the extreme is, I want to help this person so I don't sell them it at all. I don't feel like I have self-worth. The price is to, you know, keep it low. And then, you know, you get those sort of hippie and yeah, then you get yeah, the yeah, cutthroat yeah. commission yeah, yeah, breath. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You do, you do. Yeah, um, good question. Um, well, when I've been selling in an environment where it's not your own business and you've got sales targets to meet, you're probably at the end of the spectrum of you, you haven't got time to be concerned about whether mm. you feel good or how you feel. You've got targets to hit, and if you don't hit those targets, you're going to lose your job, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so that probably does something in, in in that respect. And when I think back to when I have been in those environments, I definitely physically almost felt more of a pressure and um, less genuine in, in some in some respects. Unless, of course, you 100% believe in the product that you're selling, and then it's actually kind of easy, mm. right? Um, and I think what happens with people who are selling, say themselves, if they're a coach or their own business, you do get quite caught into that self-worth thing and, you know, am I enough or all the rest of it. Um, and in terms of how you get out of that, I don't know, it's like, I think you just have to put yourself aside and do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so, yeah. you know, you just, you just have Suck to, you've kind up. of, yeah, you've got to like drop drop that stuff that junk that you've got at the door and just put on the the sales cloak and go and do it and just just do it otherwise you're not gonna you know you are gonna you're really gonna struggle you know you talked about that eh? it's not that i'm a different person but i get in the zone yeah yeah so what does that person think like that's different from the person that's not in the zone um i suppose when i'm in that space um you're doing well with these questions. They're so out the gate. Like I, <laughs> but it's like what I I don't usually plan. I actually don't do plan sales meetings because I actually, funnily enough, do also like structure. So I'm this weird combination of liking structure and process, but also liking to be quite free within it. But what the structure and the process does is gives you confidence and a framework to work with them. Hmm. Um, and when you have that, so you know you have a, a, a structure, and so you might jump around within that, but you know what that structure is, so you kind of know what you need to cover off, if that makes sense. Hmm. So you know I can be quite planned and organised when it comes to those meetings, but there's also a lot of um, of working and answering questions quite intuitively. So I'm I'm almost in a space where I'm not actually thinking, and the answers come to me in the moment. If that makes sense, that does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and I think I think another thing too is that I'm actually really genuinely interested in people and their business, and mm. and so I ask a lot of questions because I like to understand their business, and 
this probably came from one of my sales roles when I first moved up here was selling rubbish bins. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Waste services. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's like literally, literally door knocked around the majority of East Auckland, East Tamaki and things like that. And day in, day out for about two years. And part of that role was to, yeah, to, you know, because it was rubbish. I had, met a lot of operations people and I got to see a lot of factories. And it was fascinating because, you know, they'd show you how this, this you know, little piece of such and such made this other product into something. And I was like, oh, wow, I never actually thought about how that happened. Mm. So that kind of sparked this, this big interest in how businesses actually work. Um, and so I think, you know, when I'm, so when I'm talking to people, I'm always curious about, you know, how does their business work and where are they at and kind of understanding their, their process, their, what they've currently done and even their mindset a little bit as well and, and how they're approaching things. Hmm. What was that book how to friend, win friends and influence people like mm. the most interest the easiest way to be interesting is to be interested yeah yeah, yeah. so it makes sense so you got your curiosity around that do you, like it's something i had to learn like i used to like sort of mirror people and probably be manipulative because i was uncomfortable so i just mm. do what was needed for them to build rapport with me instead of finding a way to be interested in what they're saying so i've worked on that yeah yeah, but that's because, I mean, I were you sort of taught to do it that way? Did you have sales training? That yeah, 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 yeah. And that was the problem. And so, like, I, before the rubbish, rubbish bin situation, um, <laughs> I, I worked, I worked in fitness and, and ended up in, in sales quite early on. And, you know, when I started working in this gym and they were like, oh, we want you to do sales. And I'm like, why? Um, and they're like, because oh, so we think you'll be good at it. And I went, okay. So even back then, we had the sales training in gyms and it was just awful. And it was all about these tricks that you would do and the manipulation and what you'd say and you had to use this diagram and write out the stuff on the page and it was all like Mm. weird and and so lots of sales training I did since that and even in corporate sort of environments was sort of the same and you know when I look back I think that it taught you to sell in a way that didn't feel natural to anybody so that's why you felt shit and then didn't get the sale because the other person was feeling shit too, right? So you had this funny situation where people were teaching you shit and then people were feeling crap because of that. And and that's been the problem. And, and I, I think it's changed um, a little bit though. Um, hmm. You know, there's this move to consultative selling and, and that sort of thing. And when I heard what that was, I went, oh, well, that's what I've been doing for 20 years. <laughs> they caught <laughs> you know? up finally. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. This well, is my take anyway. No, it's a, it's a fair take. Like... um. I essentially work for one of the largest face-to-face marketing companies no one's ever heard of because they sell everyone else's shit. So, like, we were helping all the major charities. And um, I didn't care about the product, which is fucked because it's charity, but I was just, like, you know, admin and where all the money goes and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, and we had to memorize this pitch and we said, everyone, it's helpful because it's scalable and repeatable and you can teach people and you can reach a certain point, but it's not good selling. And I used to, for the sad moments, had to think of my dead dog so I could add the right tonality. Oh, oh no. And you're playing this character all day and you're doing all these tactics and you're getting rejected by hundreds of people just so you could sell, you know, stop 40 and sell to, you know, four of them. So what would you, how would you, have you ever tried to teach selling? You're obviously talking about how it's, you know, not yeah, good. How yeah. do you teach it? Um, that's a really good question as well. I've never tried to teach it. I've not been in that hmm. um, place well, of meeting today. you're going to scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly. Um, so I don't know how I'm going to approach that then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just stay lifestyle business, then. Eh? Yeah. Well, no, 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 no? definitely not. Definitely um, not. N- yeah. Um, yeah. Like I guess it goes back to 
you know, those, those like, first of all, whoever's going to be doing that role needs to have the passion for what you absolutely do. Mm. And I think kind of to understand your vision and what you're trying to achieve and be quite aligned with that. Um, and then I think it comes down to a lot of those interpersonal skills really around ability to connect, but in a genuine way, you know, and, in, in, yeah, in a way that's not kind of flashy or kind of rah-rah sort of thing, you know. Um, so those kind of more of those and listening is essentially a big one as well, I think. Um, and then having to, you have to kind of, I guess, give them the framework and the process to, to be able to then succeed with that. But yeah, so, so yes, maybe it's some more of those softer skills, I think, than, Hmm. than some of those other things. So what's your sales process at the moment? Like how do you, how do you acquire clients and what's your part of Are you still door knocking or what are you, using ads? Uh, Cold bit of everything really, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, um, so there's various ways. Um, one of them, the biggest ways is referrals, um, mm. which most businesses are the, are the same. Um, I do cold call. Oh yeah, much to my disgust. I really wish I didn't have to, but actually, I'm quite good at it. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and cool. I usually get quite a lot of good feedback, so I am doing that at the moment. Um, and and it's it's um, yeah, people have a lot of um bad vibes about cold calling and things as well. Uh, but it, you know, in New Zealand, there's a lot of businesses that are just not on social media, um, to start with. So so I do do a little bit of that, and also it's it's a way to connect with people who are the people you want to work with as well mm. but it needs to be supplemented with other things so we do have some plans in place we're just going through a website refresh and this is why we haven't done a lot of actual marketing because our website is just not in the place that i want it to be mm. so that's underway at the moment and then we will start to layer on the marketing um i will be soon um, more active on linkedin i've gone in and out of linkedin a little bit but i'm just going through some content creation and mm. um, asset collection and stuff for that too um so um yeah that will will go into our, our um, process as well, probably, and so we'll be building up on LinkedIn and possibly Instagram, uh, and maybe look at Facebook as well because it is quite cost effective. Yeah, Still, yeah. Got a little politician there on the last part there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, the other thing though too is, is that uh, the way that I've, when it comes to sales, so this is going to sound even more weird. I suppose, oh yeah, good. But safe space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's business growth is is I don't want to get too new agey here, um, but um. It's all about your energy, okay? So, and I, and I can tell you that from experience because if I'm in a good mindset and I've been looking after myself and I'm feeling really happy and positive and energetic and my energy is high and I make those cold, cold calls, I'm going to get better results, okay? If I'm flat and if I'm like, oh, this is crap, I can't do this or, you know, the world's shit or whatever, mm. or you're buying into whatever else is going on, you don't have the same energy, so you're not uh, magnifying that out to the world. And so what I see repeatedly is that, you know, people who have the good, strong energy and are taking the actions that are aligned to where they want to go will get results. It might not be from that Facebook ad that you put out there, but then suddenly a referral from, come from will come from someone random that you hadn't thought about for 10 years, mm. you know? It's mm. just kind of how it works. And so when I think about marketing, sure, this is probably not a very popular idea, but, you know, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> but, you know you, can, you can look at, okay, we did this Facebook ad and we got four leads, and, and yeah, you did. Um, but the... The simple act of doing that as well as, um, and, you know, you say your SEO as well as your Facebook, um, sorry, your LinkedIn you know, um, posts and things like that. This all collectively leads to um, an expansion of your energy and what mm. you're putting out to the world. And that is what then attracts in and that's why you get the results. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. No, so, so the point is yeah. not, to, just to, not to, to, to try not to stop doing anything. Or, yeah. But, but still evaluating whether something's actually giving you value. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I've been I've been very aware of the energy I've been putting out for a little while now because <laughs> I've been calling people and they're like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm good." Like, uh, it was something like every tenth call, someone would know me either from content or something, and I and then they're like, "How are you doing, man?" I'm like, "Well." Good. I know I'm self-sabotaging and whatnot, but yeah, that energy thing really hits home. Hmm. I, I find it. I do always seem to find it strange because I went on a tear calling a whole lot of agencies that, you know, they're like the goats of marketing, so to speak, but they don't market. Yeah, yeah. I never got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? What's your two cents? I, Hot I, take, I agree. Well, I, I think there's definitely an element of the builder's house is never done. Um, oh, so yeah. you're so busy just delivering client work and getting stuff out the door um, that it's hard to find the time for it. So that is definitely one. Secondly, if you're getting quite a few few referrals, you could be growing anyway. It's mm. just that you don't see it. Um, and for some of the um, some of the companies that have got a very strong brand name, who you know maybe have some good organic ranking, are kind of known. They're going to get inquiries anyway, so they're mm. getting them kind of organically. But that's because they've done the work through either doing good work or perhaps previous efforts, and they've sort of got to a um, a, um, a point of what's the word I'm looking for here, um, you know, of of um, they've got to sort of a size and a point where it's sort of self fulfilling. If you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, eh? Well, I think the best marketing is a, a good product in a way, but you still got to people aren't aware that you have a product. No, well, exactly, exactly. There, I do know of of um, agencies that do um, have sales teams. Like, there's several um, big agencies that um, have have a team of tele sales people that call up, and I know that because our clients get called by them sometimes, and mm. and I just you know just you know can see that they've got sales people on the ground. So there is that. So and you know, and when I when I do do the cold calling, people. Um, people do um, say, oh, yeah, you know, you're the 10th person that's called today kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It, but even then, like, I wonder I wonder if, like, business do- – like, what do you think is the least – like, the greatest opportunity, I guess, for, like, a cold outreach where not many people are doing it because it's too hard or too scary or too challenging? Or do you see – because cold calling, there's a bit of it. There's very few people that do it good, though. Mm-hmm. Door knocking a business, there's the people that ask for charity and stuff, but I got this job from door knocking it, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. As a financial advisor, do you do you, where do you think this sort of underpriced attention is either with cold outreach or with marketing? Or oh, I don't know. Um, I'm probably supposed to say something about AI here, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> if you want, wherever. Um, Usually, it's where the people are afraid of being judged or where um, it takes the most of the effort. Yeah, look, I mean, I just don't, I don't think that there's necessarily any kind of one way for any business, you know, and you, I'm definitely a believer in you have to test these things and, and try them, you know, and so, yeah, it's almost like don't rule out anything. Um, I think what I see with some clients who are in the software, like SaaS space, um, they're sometimes quite reasonably big companies and they don't have a sales team. And so, you know, if you're in that situation where you are trying to grow and you're growing through, say, referrals, you've got some say, some paid search or maybe some paid social or something on, you don't have a sales team, an outreach team. Well, to me, the biggest opportunity there is to fill a sales role and have that person, you know, in an outreach capacity or, or posting mm. on LinkedIn or whatever it is that you want them to do that they're, you know, um, investing into to bring in those leads. 
um, for other people, like we get quite a lot of people who come to us who um, have been burned by marketing in the past. <laughs> it's a big one. Mm. Um, and are not doing anything, anything. Mm. Um, so, so you mm. know, the opportunity for them is like, okay, well, you know, we do not just anything, but just you know, deciding where to start from, you know, um, what's the best place to start for, for this particular business, you know. How do you console that? Like um, one of the ones I've heard, like kind of like an objection handle. I imagine you'll be all authentic, caring, like you said before. <laughs> they would talk about, you know, are you still with the girl that you dated in school or guy, whoever you're talking to? And they're like, well, no. Well, did you give up on dating? You know what I mean? And it's it's a bit of an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Like every, what, what's another quote? Like um, marketing works the same way that a plane always flies. You know, like marketing works, but you just got to be, you know, you still got to fly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know where I was going with that at all, but how do you navigate that that concern of, yeah, you're just another bullshit agency, you know? (laughs) I hear it a lot. Yeah, I know, I know. And like I see on LinkedIn every day, probably twice a day, people bashing agencies um, as well. And yeah. Um, We're different. Hey? We're different. Well, I guess your well, care would be. Different. Yeah, yeah, but you still got to get results. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess the the caring thing is, is definitely something like we've had clients who have come to us have just said, oh, yeah, I just feel like our last agency, they were juniors and they didn't really care about us, you know? So that is one. But uh, you do still have to get the results. You still have to be able to spend their money and, and show some kind of return for it, you know? Mm. Um, and if you're not doing that, then, you know that's nobody's in a good situation when, <laughs> no. when that happens <laughs> no yeah wow well, what do you use what are you finding as effective in your warehouse of getting results uh depends which kind of um industry or um type Pick of one. business b2b service about. or whatever oh, they're probably that to be honest i find b2b service probably the hardest interesting yeah. why um well it's kind of some of the things that we've been talking about so with B2B service, so your products are kind of the easier ones because there's kind of a, a demand mm. thing there as well. You know, whether it's retail or B2B, there's a demand. With service, it's a little bit different. And this is where I think with the B2B service companies, it's kind of like there needs to be a, a mix of sales and marketing. If you've just got one going, you've only got sales but not marketing or just sales but not marketing, it, you can slow your growth down um, in that respect. Mm. Um, but what I what I personally think that B two B service companies probably need to be looking at these days is uh, things like you know the old demand creation strategies that everyone's talking about on LinkedIn at the moment, mm. um, and so yeah, having a, a, a social strategy um, that involves either them or someone in their company um, you know, being a leader um, and posting onto LinkedIn. I mean, sure, amplify that with paid social as well. So you know, kind of spreading that message to the bigger audience. Um, you can still get results from, uh, you know, some some paid search, um, Google paid search. Um, sometimes for service businesses and and B two B, I've never seen incredible results from that. Mm. But you get the, you know, you can get some some leads through it. But it's not, it's not, it's a start, it's a place to start. But it's not an endpoint. You've got to do that other bigger market stuff. Um, and I think content strategies, um, whether that's you know, um, organic posts on social or other types of content that are then. Um, you know, distributed, that's huge as well. Interesting, yeah. I, I, I asked that re- question for selfish reasons, really. Because mm. um, I've always, I've struggled with the, with the fact that um, people feel comfortable, I help them make content, they enjoy it, they're happy with it. I don't like it. 
Just not because of perfectionism. Huh? You don't like the content. No, I don't like what oh, I, my service. Oh, right. Okay. Because yeah. I want to make the money. I, that's the only reason I started the marketing company is to yeah. learn how to reach more people and scale a way to help people live fulfilling lives. That's mm. the only reason I yep. did it. So I was, I was, there's an analogy with um, a hot dog stand. Like, would you, and this relates, it's a bit all over the place, but I'm coming together. The, um, have you heard of the hot dog stand? Like, would you rather have uh, a great hot dog, a starving crowd, or incredible marketing? Mm. The answer is you want to have a starving crowd because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. you're selling because mm-hmm. they want it. Mm-hmm. And I think B2B service is a starving crowd. Mm. And then I thought about what am I good at? Well, I'm, I'm good at helping people feel comfortable to express who they really are and how they feel in a way that people consume. So I was like, well, okay, we could do their personal brand. Yep. And then taking that and putting into a Facebook lead campaign. Mm-hmm. And then nurturing and calling the leads because that's another thing that I do. And then just doing booked appointments. Because um, I, I th- like if I just went around and I, we met for, over the phone and mm. I was like, you know, I'll do your content. If you want me to do your content, happy to do your content. But um, that's what I, I, the, where I want to go. But if you're saying it's not possible to get leads or is it just the sales component of it? Like you need a sales person because you're selling the intangible mm. and you're selling the person. So you need to, like, it just a point and click isn't going to work. You're going to actually need to tell a story. Mm, yeah, yeah. Is that what the hardest thing is? And not many agencies tell stories, or what do you think goes wrong with it? Um, I'll be know. less selfish in the next questions. Yeah. Um. I don't know. So, 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 can you just clarify exactly what your question is then? Yeah. What What about making marketing B two B service mm. makes it so hard, or that there's not many examples of success? Because nearly every person I speak to, they say, "Oh, marketing doesn't work." Yeah, 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 yeah. What does it make this hard? I don't know. I can tell you what I think, if that helps. But yeah, if, yeah. If go you for don't it. understand, Let me just think about it. Because yeah. you're essentially you're selling an intangible thing. Mm. It's like partly most of them grow through acquisition and through referral, mm. and it's because what they're selling isn't the what the how they're selling the outcome mm. and how do you tell that you know how do you tell the story of hey this is the outcome that you're going to achieve you need mm. social proof and then how do you sell mm. the intangible because it's an interaction it's a mm, service yeah 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 yeah. it's very abstract yeah and i guess that's why a lot of b2b service end up leveraging things like case studies because they're just showing you know the possibility of what they have achieved for somebody else because um, you're b2b service yeah we are yeah exactly exactly mm. um so how are you going to market yourself? Yeah, well, I mentioned those things before. So it's it's through, so what we're going to do, so we've got the website, mm-hmm. okay? There'll be content creation and then it'll be done probably via myself um, as you know, a personal brand, but sort of under the company um, through LinkedIn. So that's to kind of get that audience awareness and reach. Um, there's other things that I probably need to start doing more, which is like networking. Um, then there is content, so creating uh, content blogs or podcasts or videos or whatever you want um, to your target market to that Mm. Um, and then um, yeah a little bit of paid search but again I said it's not it's not the thing that's going to turn you into a 10 million dollar company I don't think (laughs) Um, interesting but it's it's the combination of all of those things and then potentially a a sales call calling strategy on the back of that as well Um, so that's what I'm saying I think you have to you kind of have to do all of those things and, and have that continuously build upon over time, right? And then your reputation has to come into it as well, you know? Um, hmm. 
I guess so, and this is why I think the content strategy is important. So to your question around it being an intangible, um, people have to see, see I, I mean, the idea is that they see through your content that you understand the challenges that they have and that builds the trust for them to then go, okay, I'm going to trust you to work with me to help me do this, you know, to, to, to grow my business. That's mm. the point of that content is to kind of build that, that, um, that trust and that relationship with people. Yeah, so I'm saying the the best copy is, you know, writing is is helping people understand. Copy is showing that they're understood. Mm. And that I think um, probably that's been the biggest mistake of my content journey has been with finance, because that's how I grew my business. I didn't do that good a job with the finance part, Mm. (laughs) but clients would call me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Which was cool with no marketing spend. So. Yeah. Um, And I was talking about the what and the how. Instead of focusing on, you know, that I understand how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, eh? It's like, do you, do you go broad with the content? So you reach a lot more people. So then you have more upside, you know, whatever. Is it called CPM? You have more views. Or do you go more niche and speak to their feelings? Yeah. Well, I I, I think... Um, I, think I, I heard this, this guy talk about this in an interesting way, which I thought was mm. quite nice. Um, and he was you you do i think you do have to go a little bit niche right so like say for example what we're just talking about the b2b service conversation is slightly different to say a retailer who needs you know traffic to their website to get people to buy the products Mm. it's a different conversation and you can't necessarily i think show that you meet both of those needs through the same piece of content so i think that picking say one let's just say it was retailers and 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 putting your content or your business skew towards that, you know, that type of business does make life a lot easier because you don't have to think then, oh, do I do B2B content today or do I do retailer content, you know, am I marketing a service or a product, you know? Mm. It gives you focus as well, right? It doesn't mean that, that, that say, that B2B service company or, or, or a B2B, you know, retailer, for example, doesn't find value in what you wrote, you know, and say, say it was a piece around, say, for example, customer journey. And I know that the customer journey for retailers is going to be slightly different to, say, you know, B2B. But there's still there might still be value in that piece of content. So the person in the B2B can read it and, go and learn something from it. And you've, you've given them something that they didn't have beforehand. Sure, you're not going to get paid for it, but it doesn't matter. Mm. Because you, what you've done has... has for lack of a better word, touch somebody else or given them something. And like I said, they're never going to become a customer. They're not your target market. It does not matter. You've kind of fulfilled a greater purpose in, in terms of serving the world to a bunch of people, um, regardless of the fact that they're not going to become, become, become your customer. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, well, it's yeah. the same what that does. Like I think of, I don't know how many views, let's say over 7 million views and you, you see it as like, you know, you measure your sex, this, this many people have viewed, this many people haven't. And imagine if you're in a auditorium with 200 people in there and you had 200 views on your video. Mm. And then that compounding, so if you're doing, let's say, 10 videos a week and, and you're getting 200 views, maybe you get 100,000 on one of them. And how that compounds over time where you're just building this um, equity and reciprocation in the market and even though, like, there was a famous uh, real estate uh, agent that he was on TikTok early, and um, he sold something like a $50 million house because a kid saw their TikTok and showed it to dad, and they brought that house. So 
the person you might not be selling to them, but they're going to tell everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then if they've got an easy way to share what you do in a way where they look good by sharing it, it's a different kilo of fish as opposed to you being out there cold calling. Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. But that's the reason, that's what I'm saying about content and that personal brand thing and having that presence and being regular with your content is it does exactly that. You know, and there's, I just saw a post today actually that someone that said that, um, you know, they, they are, when they look at their LinkedIn posts, they've had very little engagement and not even many many views. But then when they've talked to people, they've been told that, oh, yeah, I've been sharing all of your posts in our Slack group or I've told my manager about all of your posts, you know, examples like that. So just because something doesn't look like it's being looked at doesn't mean that people aren't actually receiving it and finding value in it. Mm. And this is what I mean about the compounding kind of effect and almost that kind of the amplification or the kind of the magnetic kind of spread of things as well, you know, and that's that can only happen when you're when you've got consistency with the content and the messaging, um, and the frequency at which you're posting stuff. It is crazy. Like, you know, I've done it four years now, and I, for the first few, I was doing seventy pieces of content a week. And <laughs> you wow. think about uh, like I never because because I I wasn't too good at the conversion component of it mm. and creating a clear offering that people know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> And, and then being consistent to that. And I'll just write her out psychology and some crazy stuff. But the the impact on that, one, being able to call anyone and they'd be willing to help in some way. You know, I'll call someone in a network. I maybe haven't quite met them. I remember going to, um, I don't go to networking events because I feel uncomfortable. I forced myself to do it. But I went to one. And the first four people I walked in, they're like, oh, hey, Ryan, how's your 30-day challenge going? Oh, I've seen you on Instagram. And I was like, what the fuck? But the, I haven't um, pieced that puzzle of, you know, turning that into consistent business. Mm, yeah, yeah. What do you think is where people go wrong in terms of the, the balancing between doing good and making money? Well, are you asking for the sale? Nah, nah, nah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. Yeah, so, yeah so, okay, so you're producing this content, you're putting it all out there, and then nothing. Yeah, I just keep it's giving. Like, it's like going to a sales call and me explaining everything about what we do and sitting there and, go, and then saying nothing and then you just go, okay. Yeah, not closing. Like, what do I do next? And I don't say anything. True. You know? so yeah, okay. Maybe there's an element yeah, of Maybe that, ask right? for business. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It, but again, that kind of can trigger people in a lot of ways. Um, but you can do that. There's ways to do that nicely and, and gently. Um, you know, you, you could have things like if you wanted to start small, like courses or sign up to, you know, something, it's only 10 bucks or whatever. Mm. You wanted like just a, a gentle thing to get you going and then you gradually build up from there, you know? Yeah, I was just watching um, uh, Alex Mosey, 99, he gives 99% of the time, 1% he asks, which means that one to three posts a month is an ask. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I never asked. That makes complete sense. You've made it. It's 55 minutes. Anyway, excellent. Yeah. So I guess we should talk about marketing uh, where do you think um, businesses are going wrong with marketing or what do you think is the biggest 80-20 that you bring into a company? Um, where do I think they're going wrong? Um, well, for the companies that we see, <laughs> where they're going wrong is, is that they haven't been doing any um, or, or what they've been doing has just been... You know, like things like, oh, yeah, we're doing Google ads and then you find out they've just been running a brand campaign, you know, so so doing the, the wrong things. Um, I think one other, um, it's really interesting when you start to work with business owners as well is that you start to see 
what's holding the business back mentally and emotionally for them hmm. you know so hmm. I think I from what I see now I personally think that most business owners this is business owners really need some kind of coaching or or some kind of um not necessarily a coach but you know someone to kind of help them on all facets of the business because that's what true growth actually is when you can kind of get all those things going like we see big companies who completely disorganized you know but doing really well and then other companies who who just need a kind of a few tweaks and a few areas to kind of get everything rolling on the right tracks Hmm. um so there's there's that um like i said i think it's things like you know have you for some companies who they have a small marketing um um, function or campaign but no sales team and they probably need a sales team so thinking about those elements of the business um, and I think where else uh, New Zealand businesses go wrong is just simply under investing uh, in things like content and in their marketing expecting say Google or organic or SEO to be the thing that gives, gives them the business and it's just not the way the world works anymore there's too many other platforms out there that people have people's attention and you can't just do that. So kind of like, I guess, a singular strategy where they've got one thing and relying on it. And actually, they need to be going beyond that. Yeah. yeah. That's probably some of the things I see as the major blockers. Wow. Yeah. Well, this has been um, arguably one of the most random podcasts, all because of me. <laughs> <laughs> yoga, meditation, yeah. what is the thought? I thought you did a nice job of kind of bringing that then round to business <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, people, all it is is people just need to recognize that, hey, we're not having a steady flow of business. Who can help us? Do we trust this person? Yeah. Like, what else are you going to tell them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you don't deliver, then, you know, maybe you lost a few thousand or whatever it is. Better than your current strategy, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, 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 which is to go back to do nothing again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Well, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I hope this turns out all right.